Let's turn then to Matthew, those few verses that we've read. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 47. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that this is your word. Lord, that um, if it's spoken through mere um, human effort, human dictates that it, that it counts for nothing, Lord. It needs to be intended by thy Holy Spirit. This is the total, inerrant, infallible word of, of you. And we pray, Lord, that the, um, this morning as we consider these verses, we will um, come out of it, Lord, loving thy dear Son more and more. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There are similarities within families. How often when a baby's born, they say, it looks just like you, the mother, or it looks just like the father, or it's uh, is got your smile. Um, it's got similar mannerisms to you. Um, sometimes, of course, uh, children uh, can look alike. I used to live um, next door to a, a family, um, two boys and a, and a girl, and they were uh, mad keen on line dancing. And I can't remember what, what the night was at the line dancing, but you see them all coming out, dressed exactly the same. Jeans, check top, cowboy hat, neckerchief, all going out to the line dancing. They even looked alike. And of course, uh, families develop their own rules sometimes um, and ways of doing things. Um, or you look at your children and, um, and you think, oh, she's beginning to act like me or speak like me. And, um, or they look on the other way around and they look at sort of the parents and they see them reflected. And we, 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 we see that sometimes, don't we? If we've, perhaps if we've got our own children and they go and um, spend a bit of time with another family and they come back and... Uh, and they say, "Cool, that family, they let us watch that on telly. Or that family, they stay up till such and such a time. Or that family, they go to McDonald's two or three times a week. And you think, well, you're not in that family. You're in our family. And, but families have, have ways of, of doing things, don't they? Now, if we're Christians, we should have different values. Love holy living beliefs. We should have different beliefs. We should have a, um, a separate type of life. Um, our speech should be seasoned with salt. It should be different. Think of uh, John 13, 34, 35 that says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, you are in my family, that you have love one for another. Now, we're going to consider these, these few verses this morning, and I'm going to split it up into, into three sections. And first of all, we're going to look at uh, the Lord Jesus' earthly family, because, of course, a consequence of the Lord Jesus Christ, God dwelling in the flesh, coming onto this earth, is that relationships, earthly relationships, uh, resulted as a, uh, as a result, um, as a consequence, and then we're going to look at Christ's spiritual family. 
And then thirdly, we're going to look at how you make that, that transfer from the family that you were born into. And if you become Christians, the new birth, being born again into the Christ family. We're going to look at the adoption, being born into God's family. So let's first of all um, look at Jesus' earthly family. Now, just before I do that, Jesus was um, interrupted. Now, that happens um, on quite a few occasions um, in, in, in the Gospels, uh, that Jesus is interrupted. Remember the, when he was um, preaching to the people and suddenly a hole appears in the ceiling and the paralytic man was lowered down. Or when he was on the way to healing Jairus' daughter, he was interrupted by a woman with the issue of blood. And this is what um, happens here. That Jesus was talking to the multitudes and his mother and his brothers were outside seeking to speak with him. So it was an, an interruption. But one thing that we learn about the Lord Jesus Christ is that he's a master of all situations. Nothing takes him by surprise and everything is used for his purposes. The paralytic man, it was a, a, a message on forgiveness of sin and a, the importance, the crucialness of it, far more than the paralytic man being healed of his paralysis. The woman with the issue of blood, this was a woman of great faith. And the Lord Jesus Christ taught about that faith of that woman, even though she didn't fully understand um, all that was involved in believing the Lord Jesus Christ. She had that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to, to, to heal her. And here, we're going to see Jesus using that interruption to explain what is the most important family to begin to, to be in. So it was sent for a, a purpose. It was to answer the question, is who is in Jesus' true family, his spiritual family. And we should regard nuisances, or what, not, not as nuisances, but we should regard interruptions in the way that the Lord Jesus Christ does, as being sent by God, sent by his Father, for a purpose. Rather than thinking, we're trying to do something and somebody knocks on the door, uh, and, you, and you look out and you think, oh no, you know, never going get, to get this done. Um, but see this as a purpose. So what is God wanting to teach me from this situation? How does he want me to use me in this situation? So it's a, 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 a positive view of when we're interrupted or something happens that we're unexpected, that we weren't um, expecting to happen. So, go back to the point that I was making before. Who were... Jesus' earthly family. And it's um, partially contained in verses 46 and 47. Well, first of all, um, it talks about his mother, Mary. Now, the Bible describes her, even before actually Jesus was born, as blessed. 
highly favoured. Um, Mary treasured the sayings of Jesus in her heart. She was uh, the, the one who asked in the first miracle at the wedding feast of, of Cana. Mary respected his authority. She followed him to the cross and she was with the disciples between the resurrection and the ascension. But in those verses, um, in, in, in Luke chapter 1, we find that we know that she was a sinner. She needed a saviour. And if we were to turn to uh, Luke chapter 11 with, with me this morning, Luke chapter 11, let's go to read verse 27 and 28. Absolutely says, um, and it happened as Jesus spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you, obviously Mary, and the breast which nursed you, Mary. But Jesus said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now if there was an opportunity for Jesus, if there was an opportunity presented in scripture to, to, to raise Mary to some position that some do as being a person to be prayed to, to be venerated um, above ordinary um, human beings, almost for some people as much as Christ. This would have been Jesus' ideal opportunity, but what did he say? He said, yes, um, um, that, that he assumed that she was a blessed woman, but people who were in his family, those who obey God's word are on the same level as, as him. Now, we, we don't know at this point um, Mary's thoughts and emotions. We know that she was a, aware of his, his special birth, obviously, his messianic role, that his special um, purpose to save mankind or to save those who come in repentance to him. But possibly, like his other parts of his family, was, was concerned. If we, if we read those verses in, in the ones that our pastor has been doing with us um, in previous weeks, she may well have been concerned about the enmity and the hostility, the anger and rejection that was, that was around the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly orchestrated by the scribes and the Pharisees. And maybe she was concerned. Perhaps she did, didn't fully understand what her son, what the Lord Jesus Christ, what his, his, his mission was completely. And she was just like a mother, sort of concerned that something terrible was going to happen. And perhaps this sort of intuitive reaction to somehow want to sort of protect him or perhaps to, to take him back home or to perhaps ask him to sort of tone it down a bit because she was concerned about the opposition that was mulling around him. So that was Mary. Um, Joseph, he's not mentioned, but Joseph is part of um, the, the earthly family, the, the sort of the, the foster father or stepfather, as um, some people call, called him. Now, he was last mentioned in Luke chapter 2. 
And it would be, and it's generally assumed that uh, the, the point of Jesus' ministry, adult ministry, that, that Joseph was, was probably dead by then. If you look at um, John chapter 19 at the cross, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because the disciple, John, was commissioned, was asked to look after his mother. So that, that, that makes sense that by that time that she was a widow. So that was Joseph. We move on to um, the people who stood outside. We've considered Mary. And it mentions the brothers. Now we know from a, a later chapter, um, in, in the next chapter actually, chapter 13, verse 55, I think it is. Yes, um, where the, the, the crowd say to, about Jesus, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers, and then it lists them, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. These brothers stood outside, um, and that's of, of significance, because according to John, chapter 7, verse 5, at that point, they were still unbelievers. Um, of course, in, we know from Acts 1, verse 14, that they were found in the upper room. They, they were later believers. They continued uh, with his disciples with one accord in prayer in the upper room, awaiting the coming of the Holy Spirit. So they did become believers, but at this point, according to um, John, they were unbelievers. Some, some uh, commentators, perhaps um, with, with not a lot of, of, of evidence, tend to put them under um, the verse in Mark, Mark chapter 3, verses 21, where it says that his own people, Jesus' own people, and, and it's in, the, in this sort of uh, context, thought that Jesus was out of his mind. Now, his own people doesn't necessarily mean um, his, his, uh, his brothers or his sisters. It could be just those who he was brought up with. So I think some of the more conservative commentators don't really agree with that. But they definitely were, con were not believers. And they were, were certainly concerned about, um, the, just like I was saying about Mary, about the opposition that was raging around him. So there were the brothers. And then, just uh, lastly, um, in, it says in uh, chapter 13, verses 56, it says, um, he talked about his brothers, and then it says, and his sisters, are they not all with, with us? So Jesus had sisters. So it's not true that um, he was on his own, that he didn't have stepbrothers or sisters, and he had at least two sisters. We don't know exactly how many, but he had at least sisters. So, these were concerned for, for the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's his, Jesus' earthly family. We're now going to look at verses 48 to 50. Thanks very much, Rebecca. Verses 48 to 50, and we're going to look at the Lord Jesus spiritual family, his true family. And the first thing we get from verse 48 
Jesus answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Jesus stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He used this interruption to explain who his true spiritual family was and he lovingly stretches out his hands to his disciples as an example of those who are his true family. Now what do we learn from this? Well, firstly, spiritual ties, spiritual family are more important than earthly ones. And that this is um, something that as believers we, 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 we struggle to fully understand. But let's just turn to Luke chapter 14, verses 26. If any of you are in doubt over this. Luke 14, verses 26. Uh, says, I'll start with the first one. A great multitude went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate or love less his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, cannot be my disciple. The more important they are eternal ties, eternal family members. As we shall see, it's not Jesus is not saying that birth family is not important. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. But he sees other believers as being our true family. It's a question of priorities. And it's a question, really, that what are our priorities? Do we really see our brothers and sisters in Christ as being our family? Do we, do we really see that? See, if we see them as, 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 real, as, as, um, as, as more important, we know that our brothers and sisters in Christ can pray for the conversion, if we be, of our earthly family members who are not believers. We can see that our, perhaps our spiritual family can help out in its particular situations our earthly family, and be a great witness of Christ to them. And it's this transformation that Jesus is talking about, of moving from one family to another, from an earthly family to a spiritual family that Jesus is speaking about here. Spiritual ties are more important than earthly ones, and it's, it's a, a challenging verse um, of how, of what our priorities are and how we seek to help one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Secondly, just to again put this into context, is that Jesus was not ignoring his, his own family. You know, don't think that because he's left them outside, ignored them. He's, he, that, is, that is not his case. 
in fact, we've mentioned, didn't we, the verse in, in, um, in John when Jesus was on the cross and one of the things he thought about was his mother, to be his mother to be looked after. Let's turn to 1 Timothy. Anyone um, perhaps needs to read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8? Because this really shows that it doesn't mean to say, that it's, as, as, as some have in the past, that you become a Christian and you just ignore your own family. Yes, the, the Christian family is a priority, but it doesn't mean to say you turn your back on your own family. So we turn to 1 Timothy um, 5, 8. It says, if anyone does not provide for his own, that's his family, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So yes, spiritual ties are more important, but our earthly family are still very important. Indeed, we know from scripture, we've only just did it um, on, uh, on Wednesday, about honour your father and your mother. As I said, Jesus sought to ensure that his mother was, was cared for. Um, indeed, the witness of, um, of, of Jesus to his family was, I'm sure, instrumental in his brothers becoming believers. And of course, in Paul's epistles, there is much instruction and encouragement to uh, family members, husbands, wives. Do not provoke your children. Love your wives. Obedience. So, yes, spiritual ties are more important, but also our earthly family are still important and not, um, and, and, and not to be neglected. Obviously, if, if there are situations, and it's difficult to, uh, from the front to look at particular situations, but if there are where, where the earthly family um, is pulling you away from uh, your Christian walk, there may be time that, that you've got to take appropriate action because spiritual ties, your walk with Christ, where your true family is, is far more important. Okay, let's move on to, again, on Jesus' true family. It says that in verse 49, Jesus stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Now, the language that's used um, here, it perhaps doesn't come as much in, out in the English, but the language from here is that of, of a loving gesture, of, in, of, of a, a loving inclusiveness of the disciples, that you are my family. When you become a Christian, you are in Jesus' family. You know, with all the love and care that that means, that no one can snatch them out of Jesus' hands, you know, with that, that complete love and care for your eternal welfare. Now, who is this addressed to? This was addressed, as I said in verse 48, by Jesus to his disciples and extends to all believers, however weak they are at the time, however unfaithful it can be at times. When you think of the disciples who, who on occasions were sarcastic to the Lord Jesus Christ, they were, they were proud 
jockeying for position. Who, who was going to be, uh, who, should, who was really the best of the lot of them? They were faithless at times. You know, think of the Lord Jesus in the boat. You know, they, 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 they were faithless. And, um, and of course, they deserted him in his time of need. Not just falling asleep at Gethsemane, but at the cross. Nowhere to be seen. And Peter denying him three times. This is, this is who Jesus stretched out his hands to. And this is who today the Lord Jesus stretched out his hands to. There'll be us as believers who go through periods of faithlessness, of, of sin, of being feeling proud, of, of not owning up to being Christians when they should do. But Jesus, in his love and his care, you are in his family. And he cares for you and wishes the best for you, despite those times of pride and sin and faithlessness. So it extends to all believers, Jesus' true family. The second thing, if we turn, we don't turn to it because it's, there's quite a lot of verses, but if you look at John chapter 8, we see that this is also, Jesus' words here is a direct answer to the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees believed that they were approved by God because of their physical birth, their first birth. They were children of Abraham. That was enough. They were in God's good books from the, from the moment they were born. Their first birth. But this was a direct answer to the scribes and the Pharisees. That it's not, as indeed speaking to those who, um, about those who were born um, of, the, of, of Mary, just because they were born of Mary, the brothers or the sisters, it didn't guarantee their salvation. The brothers became Christians because they were born again. They repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the scribes and the Pharisees thought that they were guaranteed God's approval because they were physical children of the lineage of Abraham. So it was a direct answer to them that they needed to be born again. That didn't guarantee that they, would, that they were believers because of their accident of birth. And then we move on to verse 50. And it answers the question, how do you belong to Jesus' family? What happened at some stage later on to the brothers? And if you're Christians this morning, what happened to you? Well, you need to be born into Jesus' true and spiritual family. As Jesus explained to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Now, one of the most pernicious, pernicious or greatest errors that's, that's in the in you. You, you hear it so often, is that we are all God's children from the time of our birth. That we're all God's children. 
When, when I was a child, I don't think you hear this, this song very often. Um, it was by Gene Autry, and it caught, it's Here Comes Santa Claus, Here Comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Have you ever heard that song? Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. No, no, I heard that one. Well, it was very popular in its day. It is, and the, just the, the relevant verse and is that here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor, he loves you just the same. Santa Claus knows you are all God's children, that makes everything right. So fill your heart with Christmas cheer, because Santa Claus comes tonight. Now Santa Claus might be a good chap at Christmas time but he was completely ignorant of God's word. That's not what God's word says. Ephesians says that we were dead in trespasses and sin. John writes that God's wrath abides on us. Another verse in Ephesians says that we need to be brought into God's family. We need to be born again. And then, before we go on to the next section, uh, well, there's a couple of points, really. What is this will of the Father? It says that Jesus stretched out his hand towards the disciples and said, Here are my brothers and my, uh, my mother and my brothers, my true spiritual family. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, my brother and sister and mother. Very important words, isn't it? In other words, if, if we are to be in God's family, if we're to be brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to do the will of my Father in heaven. Now, one of the, um, the commentators, Hendrickson, says that this is speaking about God's revealed will. And the revealed will here is that we need to repent of our sin. It means that we need to accept the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And the revealed will here is that it's through the Holy Spirit we're to live our lives out of gratitude to the glory of God. So that is the will of the Father that the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about. And before we go on to the next section... Some of the older versions use this word whosoever, but uh, the, the, the more modern translations use whoever, but it means exactly the same. It says, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother, uh, brother and sister and mother. So what Jesus is, is saying here is that there are no bars to coming to Christ, whatever your situation. If you do the will of the Father, as we've just said, repent, accept Jesus Lord and Saviour, and live through the power of thy, His Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter where you were born or the circumstances of your birth. It doesn't matter what your background is, whether it's one of privilege or whether it's one of very few opportunities. It doesn't matter whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're educated or left school with an inability to, to read or write, that if you come 
to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you do the will of my Father in heaven, you will be saved. So that's God's spiritual family. That's how we enter the Lord Jesus Christ as, as our brother. We take his salvation. That's how we become part of God's true family. Now, we're going to look last of all then at how that is, is, is done. What, what does that actually mean? And the, the, the doctrine that, um, that is, is used in, in Scripture is, is, is given this term adoption. Now, adoption historically was, was known in, in, in Roman times. Often it was taking on um, an, another member of, of the family, but it was taking them from their family, for whatever reason, into a new family. Now, what do we learn or what can we, how, how can we fully understand what it means to be brought from our birth family, our birth situation, being born in sin, being born, born under God's wrath, under God's judgment, to being in the family of the Lord Jesus Christ, in God's family. Well, the first thing to say is that we are placed in God's family by faith. We've been going through, through Romans, haven't we? And uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 15. So if we just turn that to that, uh, those verses. For as, um, chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We're adopted. God is our Father. We are in Jesus' family. And when you, um, in, in, in um, an earthly adoption, when, when the adoption goes through, you get another birth certificate, which gives you the date that you put into the new family, the new adoptive family. And in a way, um, baptism is like that. It's like a public um, attestation, a public proof that, or, or recognition that you are now in the new family. It's, a sec, like a, um, it's like a second birth certificate in adoption. A public recognition. Doesn't, doesn't make you adopted. That, uh, that certificate didn't, ma didn't make you adopted. It was the person, the people who adopted you into their family. But it was a, a public recognition, evidence that that change, that move into the Lord Jesus' family has occurred. So we're placed in God's family by faith. Second thing, well we see the, the similarity between uh, um, sort of earthly adoption and what we can learn from that um, about our, our adoption by the Father is that it's solely God's plan. Now in, in, in um, uh, human adoptions, ordinary adoptions, the child 
can't go to court and say, I want to be, or I take on this, this new family as my parents and as my new family. It has to be done by the adoption applicants. They have to apply to court in order for that to happen. And that is, um, as we know from Ephesians chapter 1, um, verse 5, is that our salvation is solely God's plan, solely God's initiative, solely God's work, God's grace and God's love when we repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's, it's, it's not only we placed in God's family by faith, but it's solely God's plan, his initiative. The third thing that we learn about this adoption is that we become joint heirs with Christ. Again, in um, Romans um, chapter 8, th- this is spelt out for us. Now, when, when we get the... Because um, I chair an adoption panel, some of you may know that o- already, but when, when we get the, the applications um, th- that go to court and, and they're approved by the court, there's part of it that says that this child who you've now adopted is, is to be treated as your child for the purpose of inheritance. So if the, the couple already had a couple of children themselves and they adopted a third child, that child would have exactly the same rights as the two that they had already. They're entitled to the family property. They're entitled to the inheritance. They're treated as their own family. And Ephesians says, that, doesn't it, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Nothing is withheld by God when we're adopted into his family. We're not made second-class citizens. Remember in the, um, the, the parable of the prodigal son, he was, he, was, he was treated, you know, as, as his son. He wasn't told to go through the tradesman's entrance or the servant's entrance. He was, he was greeted and embraced and loved as his son. And that's what adoption into God's family is, that we are treated that, um, as joint heirs with Christ. Every blessing we are given so we're placed in God's family by faith. It's solely God's plan. We're joined to heirs. And the next one is that the inheritance that we've just mentioned is incorruptible. Now, you could be adopted into a family and, you know, and the, the couple could, one of them could be a gambler. And by the time they die, well, it doesn't mean anything. You know, the only thing you inherit is debts, but that's not like that with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our inheritance is incorruptible. Um, you know, it, we can never be snatched out of the Lord's hands. We could never wake up, could we, in the morning? Uh, we could wake up in the morning, perhaps find out you know, somebody's broken into the house or the car's disappeared or something like that. We could never wake up in the morning and find that the, our, the eternal covenant of love from God to us has disappeared, has ceased. 
cease to mean anything at all. Our inheritance is incorruptible. And that is, that is so um, marvellous, especially that, that we can't be snatched out of Christ's hands, because sadly, one of the things I have to do uh, is what's called chair disruption reviews, and these are where children place for adoption where it breaks down. They call it disruption because it looks more, sounds more positive, but it's a breakdown, and the child um, leaves that home for one reason or another. But that will never happen with Christ. Our corruption, uh, our, sorry, our inheritance is incorruptible. Our place is secure. Well, the next thing that we, we find that um, from adoption is that in earthly adoption, you know, that it can come at a cost. I don't just mean if you adopt a child, you've got to feed it and um, you know, all the other costs, clothe it and all the other costs that, uh, that come with, with having a child. But you know, they, they, we know this from adoption support, that sometimes the children can break the parents' hearts. They can, they can go astray. Your own children can do that, but it, it can happen a lot with, with in, in adoption. Um, and it, it demands a great cost and sacrifice often for adoptive parents, even often in, in very straightforward ones. Well, let's look at our adoption, our deliverance from our first family into Christ's true family. It came at Christ's death on the cross, becoming man, suffering all that he did on earth. That temporary separation from the Father through taking on our sin. If we look to Isaiah, he was bruised, written 700 years before, he was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities were laid on him. So deliverance, so adoption can come at a cost. And we are in, if we are in Christ's family, it's been at a cost to God, the Father, who planned this. It's been a cost for the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And then, finally, looking at the, 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 the similarities and how it, it helps us fully grasp what it means to be in Christ's true family, is that there is, and there usually is, changes as we grow into our new family. Let's turn to 1 Peter, chapter 2. I'll just turn to... Peter chapter 2, the, the first few verses. Yes, yeah, so therefore laying aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. When it's, it's lovely to see when children have been adopted, and particularly if you know what the background that they, 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 they came from, 
and um, what their life might have been otherwise, but to see them grow into their new families. To see them um, in the way that they behave, the way that they, they act, the, the, the values that they, they develop, um, their, their manners, all the things that we spoke about at the beginning. Um, but not only that, but the, the love that grows from the parents to the children and then the children to the parents, that reciprocated love, affection, as um, we were reminded by uh, Mr. Olliot yesterday in, in our day in, in, in Bala, that as we become Christians, as we come into God's true family, as we become brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we should see changes. We should see changes in, in, in our lives, in our holiness, in, in our, our values, what we desire for our, ourselves, for our families, our priorities change. And our love should grow. Our emotions should be involved and our affections should increase. So, it's moving into a new family is by faith. Um, it comes through... Um, this growth as we our faith um, as, as, as we have our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ um, as we're adopted at such great cost to the Lord Jesus Christ with this incorruptible inheritance that we have and that we should change we should grow in our new families in our new family with the Lord Jesus Christ our, and it's the other thing that is, is great great to see is the way that, that the adopted child regards the, if there's birth children already in the family as their brothers and their sisters and they're bonded and they're close towards them and that's what we should be seeing as we are adopted into a new family. Now it may have been great to have been brought up with Jesus and in, in, a, in an earthly family seeing the Lord Jesus Christ at close quarters, um, but how much greater it is to be in God's true spiritual and adopted family. How much greater would it have been for those disciples who when the crowd said, uh, when one of them said to them, look, your mother and brothers are outside seeking to speak to you, that Jesus turned to them and said, here are my mother um, my brothers. Having Jesus stretch out his hands and say to you, here is my brother, here is my sister, is the most fantastic blessing that you can ever have. Being a member of the true family of God is the greatest thing that can happen. It has eternal um, results and it can be done. And how can it be done? Jesus spells it out. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. 
And this is um, a tremendous few verses. It tells us, doesn't it, that Jesus' true family, that we can have the Lord Jesus Christ as our brother, that our God is our father if we turn from our sins, if we believe in the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and rely on his Holy Spirit as we seek to grow, as we seek to change and grow into our new family. But it means being born again, as we've stated several times this morning. Perhaps for those who are here this morning who, who are still only in their original family that they were born into, this, these blessings will be and will remain strange to you unless you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance. Amen.